Welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast, where we listen to and learn from the people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. Here's your host, Rob Schwartz, CEO of TBWA Shiat Day New York. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for tuning in. We've got a very exciting show today. Um, we're here with Iman Obu, and she's the founder and editor-in-chief of Sway Media. She's the host of a really successful podcast called Entrepreneurs in Vogue, and she's a former Miss New York on the beauty pageant circuit. So, Iman, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So, so let's let's like let's start with the elephant in the room. What was the transition like going from a beauty pageant winner uh, to running a, a media empire? You know, it's not as bad as it sounds. Actually, I think a lot of the things that I learned during the the beauty pageant um, competitions and training and whatnot really helped me transition in a, a much simple way into running a media empire because one, obviously you are trained to uh, communicate and articulate well. You're trained to get to know yourself, your goals, your mission before you dive into anything. And you're trained to really pitch yourself. You know, you're always judged in real life, just like you are judged in beauty pageants. But a lot of people are afraid of that. And because for me, I went through the crucial training through beauty pageants that I, I'm not really afraid to be myself anymore. And that helps a lot when you run a company, when you want to really uh, put a message out there and you want to stay true to yourself and your brand and your voice. It's important that you go through life without fearing that people will judge you for who you are. And mm. that helped me a lot too in pitching investors. You know, I, I have to to be honest, I used to be really shy and I could not go into a room and talk about myself or about what I want to do or my dreams are. And the beauty pageant industry turned me to turn me around. So hmm. they're like, OK, you need to be comfortable with that. And so all those skills that I learned while I was training and competing have really come in handy for when I, you know, entered the entrepreneurship world. That sounds really uh, like a very interesting training. Not everybody could do it because not everybody's beautiful. So I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody is beautiful in their own way. Uh, Maybe beautiful inside. Inside and outside, I think. is, just, And that's another thing. I, you would be surprised. That it's not always the most beautiful girl outside that wins the title. It's usually now. And beauty pageants have come a long way. I don't even think hmm. that I like calling them beauty pageants anymore because. Yeah, it feels kind of old fashioned. Yeah, it's not even about the physical beauty. I feel like I worked more on my internal beauty and soul uh, and my self-awareness more than I trained at the gym or got my hair done mm. or got my makeup done. And that's the easy part, believe it or not. The hard part is to show the inner beauty that you have. And so now more beauty pageants are based on that more. I mean, you see the current Miss USA is a scientist. I was a scientist as well before. And I'm like, I have no chance of winning a beauty pageant as a scientist. But it, it has shifted. So mm. I think it's it's a lot more than beauty. Um, most people think it's that way, but it's not. Well, we're going to get into your science stuff a little bit later. Um what was interesting about what you just said was when you had to find out, you know, who you were. So was there a specific exercise you did? Was this like a writing thing and kind of writing and writing and writing and editing? Like how how yeah. did you get to your kind of phrase that paid, you know, for you? Yeah, it's a combination of a lot of things. One is you have to be able to carve time for yourself and spend time with yourself. Mm. I do a lot of self-talk still to this day because that's that's the best way to get to know yourself. 
a lot of people lie to themselves. They go through life lying to themselves about what they want to be, what they want to do, what mm. they like, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. That's where it all starts. Um, so, yes, it was a combination of writing stuff down and going back and editing them again after talking to people. Um, you, I, I set some time with my parents, with close friends, with family and my coaches to truly have an honest conversation about what they thought was my strength and what they thought was my weakness. Hmm. And I wanted them to be honest. Like, I won't get mad. <laughs> I really, truly want to know people's feedback because sometimes, like I said, you're too close to yourself. You don't know. You might think you're good at something, but you're really not. So... I did those kind of exercises because my coach at the time walked me through them in order for you to sit in front of a judge for beauty pageants, in front of an employer for an interview, hmm. in front of a, a VC to raise money. You have to be able to be true to yourself so that any question that comes at you, you don't have to think twice about it and try to like find your way around it. It comes naturally. Mm. So that's an exercise of writing things down, what your values are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are what you truly, really want to do. Like, what is what is it that you think you're here in this life to do? For me, I had to find my purpose. Obviously, it took a lot of unconventional <laughs> roads to finally get to where I'm at today. But I had to experience certain things in order for me to know exactly that that's not what I wanted to be or do. Mm. I've always wanted to be a doctor growing up. And I went on medical missions around the world to actually experience that for myself. I came back and I was like, no, this is not for me. So you won't know until you try it, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you won't really know what you stand for until you spend time with yourself um, carving out those answers that most people try to avoid um, questioning themselves. So give me one strength and one weakness. So my strength, I think I'm really good with uh, communicating what I really want to stand for and what I really want to do. So networking, um, communication and business development are my biggest strength within kind of my business. So everything from operations, like administrative tasks, um, even writing is not really my strength. So I hired all the right people within my company to take over those things so I can focus on developing relationships with my, um, you know, potential partners, communicating the mission of my company out to the public, and, of course, networking with the right people that share my values. Good. Yeah, so schmoozing is a superpower. I like mm -hmm. it. So tell us about Sway Media. You've got this interesting company. What What is Sway Media? So Sway is a digital publication at the intersection of entrepreneurship, uh, feminism, and culture for the modern and millennial woman. And essentially, I really wanted to fill the gap between the business publishers and the lifestyle publishers um, and, and targeting women with actual smart editorial and visually compelling content because you have your business publishers that do a, a great job with talking about stuff that matters, stuff that makes you smart. Mm -hmm. And then you have your lifestyle publishers uh, that do a great job with just selling you fluff because it looks pretty and you buy into it. But then for women, we're now in the middle of this movement about, hey, we want more women at the forefront of leadership, innovation, politics, Hollywood or whatnot. But what are we really giving them in terms of content that will prepare them to be good at that? Hmm. And that was my issue with the current media landscape is that, well, we want to encourage women to be at the same level as men, but we're given 
all this great content that encourages more men to be better at their jobs, at their, you know, executive leadership skills or whatnot. But then we're not really giving women that kind of content. We're just selling them sex tips, weight loss tips, you know, how to uh, stalk your boyfriend to make sure he's not cheating. It's all very fluffy stuff, which always keeps us at the very low level. And that was the point of Sway Media is, hey, we want to obviously cater to women in the, in the sense that we want to create really smart content to help them, but we don't want it to be stale and very boring looking because as women, we like pretty visuals and that's just the reality of it. So why don't we make you know a business publication that looks fashionable and hmm. editorial? That convention that you identified of fluff and uh, the need for, you know, we're in the midst of this... Uh, um, what's called a fem empowerment. You mm-hmm. call it a movement. I mean, it's it's both a revolution and a movement. And I think what again, what's powerful about what I'm seeing in your in Sway Media and on your podcast is both inspiration and pragmatism. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be like these great you know women leaders out there. And oh, by the way, here's five things you can do. Yeah, so very action oriented. I know. Um, a lot of other content is focused on storytelling, which is great. But I think at the end of the day, as a woman myself who is always trying to better herself and be a better leader, what are the action items I would take away from that story? And that's important, too. So it's like women that are doing amazing things, inspiring, um, they're launching inspiring businesses. But what did they struggle with? What were the challenges and how did they overcome it? And what can we learn from it as other women that are trying to do the same thing and be at that same level, you know? And also I think it's important, the other piece of it is representation. So yes, Forbes talks about amazing women that are millionaires like Oprah, Jessica Alba, Sarah Blakely, but it's so repetitive. I mean, Mm. is it realistic for me to reach out to Jessica Alba tomorrow to ask her questions? Probably not. Maybe at some someday, you know. But it's also for us is how do we advance more women that are more representative of every woman out there? So women that are accessible, relevant, and raw. And we need more of that representation from a diversity perspective, from industry perspective, and from also accessibility. So, mm. and that's what we tend to focus on more. And I know a lot of you know potential um, advertisers or um, other people that we want to feature look for celebrities that we featured. But I'm like, I'm not interested mm-hmm. to necessarily um, you know put out more content that's only related to celebrities because that's already out there. You want to hear about Jessica Alba's stories? Just Google her. You will find plenty. (laughs) But, you know, what about the girl next door that still did really well? She sold her business for a billion dollars, but no one knows about her, you know? So part of it is, uh, at least as I'm hearing you, is there's celebrity and we also have this other thing called influencer. Mm -hmm. So is your kind of archetype between them do you like how would you I mean I think it doesn't she could be a celebrity too but I think that's just the definition for that is very broad now but for example we featured recently a Hollywood star she might not be at the level of you know Blake Lively or someone or Viola Davis but she's still in amazing shows but She's more at a level that is realistically relevant and relatable to other women out there because she's not overly famous. But if I were to reach out to her, her people would respond to me. Mm. She would 
probably be part of campaigns that matter. She stands for something really important. So that's a celebrity in her own way. But the accessibility. There's yeah, something the about accessibility. accessibility. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, we also talked to Sophia Bush, for example. She's very, um, she's made herself accessible recently because she's part of this girl project movement mm. now and because she stands for feminism. So she really wants to shift her career towards becoming more of a thought leader and a voice in the space mm. versus just an actress. And that's what I'm more interested in. It's like very authentic voices. So you could be a celebrity who's, up there, you know, but if you really stand for the cause and we can reach out to you and you can provide some really relatable content for our audience, I'm down with that. But I won't spend my time chasing the high rollers just so I can say, hey, my publication had Jessica Alba on it last week. So, hey, do you want to be featured? It's not really what I, I, I don't think I'm here for that. And other publications are doing that already. So it's more like, how do we really stand out? And that's by bringing more representation and more women that are not necessarily talked about as often, but their story is more than inspiring. And that's the content that actually does really well on hmm. our site. I mean, we've featured Ariana Huffington. It did not do nearly as well as um, an actual Native American who starred in a film festival film recently um, that stands for the whole, you know, dapple and all. So it's a, it's a cause-related content. She's not famous, mm-hmm. but her story got shared over 7,000 within like over 7,000 times within 24 hours wow. of publishing it. So so yeah. part of the, your other disruption, I would then say, is you know, part from this uh, accessibility um, is multicultural. There's mm-hmm. something uh, that, that, that is rising here in this movement about multicultural women as well. Mm-hmm. And, and also that speaks to my personal brand because I was born in Morocco. Um, I was raised in Colorado. I lived in Germany for a while. I'm Muslim. I'm you know, a woman, I'm an immigrant. So I have this whole kind of crazy background that is filled with different parts of, you know, culture and diversity. And in a way that translates into my professional brand and my business brand, because I truly do consider myself as a voice that can talk to different women, not just either American, Caucasian mm. or black women or Arab women, you know, it's it's kind of a combination. Um, and this is why, I mean, my investor always says it, but says Sway was born in the U.S., but it's really a global brand eventually that will cater more to women like in emerging markets, you know, like the um, MENA region um, in Africa, Europe. So women that really need access to this kind of content because all they have is their phone right. to browse on. You know, they don't have all these workshops that we have here in the U.S. about entrepreneurship. We don't have, they don't have accelerators as much. They don't have, you know, incubators or VCs to reach out to. We have it good here in the U.S., although we like to complain every now and then, <laughs> but we're much more advanced. So it's like, how do we really take that kind of resources and pay forward to the emerging markets where women are are now tapping into the entrepreneurship uh, industry because that's the only way they can actually do something with their lives. Hmm. So is Sway kind of like in your dream, you know, in your in your ultimate vision, is, is Sway like a multicultural Forbes or a multicultural... Yeah. I, how would you... I would say the way I would want to... Give us a context. Yeah. Maybe. I would want to build... You could look at it two ways. It could be the female Forbes, the multicultural female Forbes. Female Forbes, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be the smart Vogue. Oh, Either interesting. Way. So it's like I want the, the brand to be at that level, 
but with a very specific type of content. Eventually, would like to expand into categories like fitness, um, wellness, you know, beauty, fashion. But we will always do it at the core of you know quality content. So mm-hmm. quality content at scale, in throughout any you know category that we expand into. Of course, we wanted to start very niche, which is entrepreneurship, um, career, and self-development. But eventually, I think there are so many ways we can cover other categories in a way that's more authentic and valuable than the current publications. Mm-hmm. And could Sway uh, eventually be kind of like a, a vice yeah. in a way? I mean, do you see different channels? Absolutely. The way vice you know, has their platform? Yeah, so I, I probably would compare it more to Vox Media just because I know we actually had dinner recently with Marty Mo, who I'm fascinated by and it, just the way he described the way Vox started with The Verge and then how they plan to kind of make it a global brand and what the core uh, mission is it just sounded a lot of I could find I could see sway in a lot of that that kind of description so we eventually are already kind of looking into video content now. Uh, of course, that's the future. And then we want to potentially get into like entertainment. So it'll be like a Sway TV channel where we talk to um, other female forward producers or entertainers that would produce content that's authentic, original, um, and specifically for the the new kind of woman. I just feel like now women think differently and mm-hmm. we have so much more interest than like what Vogue gives us or what Elle magazine gives us. Although they have tried to tap into it little by little, they're now covering a little bit of entrepreneurship and career. It's not as authentic to most of us as their fashion content, mm-hmm. you know, because we grew up knowing Vogue to be the fashion publication. When they when they talk about politics or culture, it seems a bit forced. Um, and that's Unless the, it's what you wore. Yeah, what, who exactly. Who wore at the inauguration. Yeah, but I mean, I think the, the whole idea too for Sway came to me when I think I saw an interview with Kristen uh, Gillibrand mm. on Vogue. And I mean, she is such a fascinating activist, politician, just all around like badass. And it's going to be our next president. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. (laughs) And all Vogue asked her was question about how she managed to stay attractive to her husband while she was doing all this stuff. And how she managed to, like, you know, lose weight. And I'm like, really? You have this amazing woman in front of you to ask any Mm. inspiring content out there to really inspire the new generation to take more, you know, place in office and whatnot. And this is what you ask her. And that, I'm like, well, that is Vogue. I mean, I don't expect anything more. But that's why I feel like now these next-gen publications really need to come out and have that authentic voice that truly wants to show the best version of what women are nowadays. Like, we're not just, we literally don't ever talk about, you know, sex tips and weight loss. I mean, I don't know how other women are, but like when I am with my girlfriends, like we talk about self-development stuff, how to be better. And but the media Let me is just always... say that as a, as a man, that's all I talk about with other guys. <laughs> I'm sure. Is sex tips and weight loss. Right? And, uh, it's not really working for us. <laughs> no. It's like, let's compare notes. <laughs> but, uh, and I think what you're saying is also um, starting to materialize in the culture when you look at something like Wonder Woman. You know, this is a phenomenon now. Well, you know, something's working here now. So I do think there's there's been some uh, great progress mm-hmm. uh, on the movement. And I think people in uh, your generation certainly are are driving it. Yeah, major shift for sure. And it makes me happy. There is another side of it, though, where now some, and maybe you 
probably know more about this than I do, but like with advertisers and bigger brands that are now, some of them are just riding the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, let's tap into this feminism and and come across as woke and uh, immersed in the conversation by putting these campaigns together that talk about women's issues. And CoverGirl recently did something, which I actually did a newsletter about. I love CoverGirl. I think what they're doing is great. And I, I truly think what they're trying to do is it comes from good intentions, but they just sometimes turn certain um, issues into women's issues and they're really not compared to what we're fighting for like maternity leave like healthcare, mm. all the bigger is- equal pay sexual harassment in the workforce those are the bigger issues that we need to rally around but when you take a campaign around like putting makeup in public and make it a women's issue and a feminist issue I think that just kind of cheapens the movement a little Mm. bit and makes us sound even more psychotic than what people think, you know? So I think there there needs to be a fine line for advertisers and brands to make sure that you're not tapping into that cultural movement just to be part of the conversation. It's 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 got to be authentic. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, what's also interesting, though, I want to get into your journey a little bit because, you you know, you mentioned about your science background and all that. I mean, what is interesting about uh, when I started looking at your story is, in some ways, you kind of walked in on beauty, but you are um, you're moving through with brains. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, you're an interesting. Oh, I like that. Well, it's a free <laughs> one for you. I'm an advertising professional. No, but I, but I think what's very interesting is that maybe the doors open for you through 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 the world of beauty, but but my God, everything you're doing is really based on substance. Yeah, I think a part of it, I have to thank my dad for that because, I mean. A lot of people think we're Moroccan, so I must come from a very conservative family, which is not the case at all. My parents have always been very liberal and kind of like, you do whatever you want to do. Um, but, you know, when when my dad kind of sees that a lot of the focus on me is about my beauty versus mm. what I stand for and what I bring to the table from, like, you know, brain perspective he always, like, stops me. He's like, okay, no. Like, let's focus more on, like, what you can bring to the table in terms of, like, you're smart. You're, you know, you you have a lot of ideas. You have a lot of value to provide. Focus on that. Mm. So it, it, I'm happy that he always kind of put me back on that road. Like, mm. hey, focus on this. Like, beauty is always good. But show them what you're capable of. So, and, and and that's why I think, that's also my message to a lot of women out there in the world and uh, is that, Beauty fades, you know. I think focusing on your physical appearance. Look at, look at me. <laughs> you're great. You're fine. <laughs> um, but focusing on your uh, brains and what you are capable of doing is a lot more um, effective for you in the long term in terms of your future mm. and career and just your own self-empowerment than focusing on just beauty. I mean, I've, I've been through the beauty pageant industry, and I think that taught me, like, at the end of the day, you – there are so many beautiful women around mm. you. Like I competed with thousands of women. It's like, but what is what makes you different? You know, right. this is like, you know, beauty is so also subjective. So why are you spending your time focusing on that versus what you are capable to bring to the table in a very unique way? And it's your voice, it's your soul, it's your brain. Right. So, well, let's let's roll in on some 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 of your brainy stuff. So you have a degree in biochemistry and molecular biology and a master's in biomedical engineering. So what's up with the doctor thing? <laughs> <laughs> how did you get that? How are you so sciencey? I, I, oh, I've 
always been into sciences. I love science. I, I get very nerdy, especially when we talk about analytics and stuff. I like numbers every now and then. But I, like I said earlier, I grew up thinking I wanted to be a doctor. Um, was, you, was anyone in your family a doctor? No. no? My, well, my dad is an engineer. Mm. My mom was an entrepreneur, um, more a small business kind of mm. thing. And I, I don't know. You know, I think also growing up in Morocco, I had this kind of um, small... I wouldn't say incident, but like small experience where my godmother passed away from breast cancer. Mm. And it was really something that could have easily been treated in the U.S., but Morocco has not, doesn't have the best, you know, right. healthcare system or competent doctors. I mean, it's gotten a lot better. But, you know, that was when I feel like I wanted to just make sure that I bring something, some kind of value to that situation. And I felt so helpless knowing mm. that. And I, I cried a lot, you know. And that, I think, put me in the path where I, th- I thought at the moment the best way for me to use my passion and brains is towards, you know, a career that helps other people. And mm. obviously that's medical field. And I actually specialized in school in cancer research. So mm. I did cancer research for two years uh, before I moved to New York. So that was in Boulder, Colorado. And I think that that experience really kind of spearheaded the whole um, reason why mm. I wanted to be a doctor, specifically in cancer. But then again, I tried it and it wasn't really for me. I'm a very sensitive person. I cry easily. So being kind of in that setting just made me depressed. And (laughs) I wanted to cry and just dealing with patients. It was just it was a sad situation. And I knew that I really wanted to be at a position where I could bring value to them. But Mm. I feel like I was more sad than they were. So I'm (laughs) like, I don't think this is a great... The doctors I was working with said that you have to have a really not cold heart, but you have to be brave dealing with these kind mm. of situations. And it couldn't I couldn't do it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to move to New York and see if I can do it on a business side. You know, so I I worked for Inventive Health and uh, another investor relations agency that worked with bigger uh, pharmaceutical and biotech mm. companies to help them bring their tech into the market. So I did a little bit of that, but that got too corporate for me. And I just felt like the more I, I got into it, the more. I realized I was unemployable and I couldn't really do the whole corporate setting as much. And so I went on on my own and tried to figure it out. And that's how the podcast came around. Oh, interesting. Well, we'll get there in a second. So how old were you when you moved to the U.S.? I was 15. So what, so before you came here, I mean, what, when you were in Morocco, I mean, were there other places you wanted to go? Did you only want to come to America? Like, what was your view of America? I did not want to come to America. It was not my choice, mm. to be honest. My parents one day just dropped the ball on us, and we wow. were at dinner. And I remember this very clearly. We were in our dining room, and my parents, my dad goes like, so, uh, by the way, we're going to move to the U.S. by the end of the year. Hmm. And we're all just looking at him like, it doesn't just work that way. I was in high school. You and know, he didn't even speak English then, right? No, I, I failed English in Morocco, which is so ironic. Um, and I, I said, why? You know, we're, we have it good here. Like, my parents did really well. They hmm. were successful in Morocco. We had such a great life. Uh, 
probably better than we had here moving the couscous is yeah the couscous is great i miss it so much (laughs) it used to be every friday um but yeah so we moved just randomly and their reason was because they had this opportunity to bring us to the u.s and so i was in french schools meaning that after Mm. graduating high school i would need to go to france for college and they both both my parents went to college in europe in belgium and france and they just didn't think that it was the best setting for us to really achieve kind of of the big dreams that we've always had for ourselves. And they realized, hey, you know, the American dream might work for you. So let's just all pack our bags and move across the ocean without you knowing anything about the U.S. We've never even been here on vacation. It was a completely like and there was new no, world. And there was no, was there any um, kind of American pop culture in your life? Yeah. I mean, we watched MTV here and there. I, I we watched some like Degrassi, the the show, but you know it was funny because everything that those high school shows it portrayed just high school being like a crazy environment that I did not want to be part of, like the the mean girls and the clique, the popular crew, and I was like, is that what we want to go to? Like I don't really know if I want to live there. Um, and then the first year when we moved, I, we lived in my pa- my uh, aunt's basement. And for, we're, like, we're in Colorado. In or? Colorado, yeah. So we moved from. Having like a driver, like, hmm. you know, a pool in the house and just living the good life in Morocco to living in a basement in Colorado. And I, I was. Did you even ski? I did it. I still don't. <laughs> I am a beach girl. <laughs> um, that's why I moved away from Colorado. I'm like, I'm not taking advantage of this. So let me just get out of here. But yeah, it was a, it was a tough transition on me because mm. I actually went through depression my first year here in, in the U.S. because it just was so tough. And I was, you know, puberty, 15 yeah, years 15, old. Wow, like tough. you just didn't know. And I didn't talk to my parents for a while. I'm like, why would you do this to us? Mm. Like, what is going on here? We did not need to be here. That's like people for me like immigrate because they're looking for a better life and I just didn't think that we needed that but now I see why so now I thank them every day <laughs> so so you're 15 you're depressed you're living in Colorado you're looking for a beach you can't find good couscous <laughs> on Fridays and then something happens with beauty pageants how did that all happen no that wasn't until later um you know I guess what happened is I, I wrote a lot so I wrote poetry that was a way for me to get away from the depression and um just express myself in a way that no one could understand me at the time and then I guess I I kind of moved on after the summer after we moved to Colorado we went back to Morocco mm. so we had our closure and then after that I saw I was like okay maybe now I get it um all of my friends had moved away to Europe. Most of them were not happy. Mm. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's starting. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? So. And by the way, you, had you ever seen snow before? No. That was, well, wow. yeah, that was my first. I mean, th- we have snow in Morocco, but that was in the north part. I was more in, like, the Miami part of Morocco, so <laughs> why I'm a beach girl. Um, yeah, so I think I just found a way to deal with it internally. I mean, we ended up finding our own house. We It kind of got better after the first year, so um, I integrated after that pretty well in high school. I Mm. played tennis again. So I kind of found myself. Mm. I started talking better English. You know, it's funny is that I was placed in advanced placement English the first year I went to the U.S., even though I failed English in Morocco. I don't know how that happened, but I didn't have anything better to do. So all I did was read books during the summer. So that got my English really better. So So, a pro tip for people. And and what was your native tongue? (laughs) French. Yeah. So 60% of the English language yeah, is French. So, so maybe, maybe you had a little mm-hmm. leg up. So that's good. <laughs> and how'd you do in French class in high school? Pretty good, I bet. 
Oh, I didn't take in in the U.S. I didn't. I actually took one in college just oh, for you? extra credit, you know, to graduate earlier. <laughs> so you uh, you did tennis. So uh, our our research shows you're a bit of a tomboy. I am. Oh, how did you know that? That's Listen, interesting. We've got a huge staff that does research. <laughs> Where's our researcher? There, there they are. <laughs> Thanks our for gi- finding that out. Our, our giant research staff. Yeah, I I'm I still am. I'm a, I actually did a video yesterday about fun facts about me, and that was number one. Um, yeah, I also did some dirt biking back in Morocco, even though my parents don't know about that because my mom will kill me. Um, and I played tennis uh, since I was six years old because that mm. was a way for us as a family to spend quality time on Sundays. Sure. And so my dad got us into it and I became competitive. And at some point I wanted to be even a pro player, but I got injured in college. So that ruined it for me. But, yeah, it was a, a great sport. So you could have been a doctor, a pro tennis player. So many things. But now you're a media <laughs> mogul. Okay, pretty good. Pretty good. What do you know? <laughs> you can good. just – that shows you can never have a plan for yourself, you know? It's what? like doesn't really always work out the way you think it will. I always liked uh, the boxer Mike Tyson had a great quote. He says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So true. (laughs) So true. I mean, one of the questions we were kicking around and and thinking about in terms of you is uh, this notion of you're, you know, in the tech world in a sense, you know, you're you're a media person. Uh, Do you think it's harder for women in tech? You know, because is it, it seems like it's traditionally guy- yeah. Industry, you know? It is. Uh, it is in in different ways because I think the biggest struggle is obviously access to resources. So women, and the stats show this all over the place, is we don't have as much access to funding as our male counterparts mm. and uh, access to mentorship. Like I said, I think a lot of the business publications and accessible role models have always been men. And men like to help each other. So men help more men, but then they leave women in, in the sidelines. So that's that. So mentorship and role models, uh, we don't have as much access to, to. So it's harder for us to kind of research that and find them on our own. It's like double the work. Um, and then the other thing for me is I think also maybe my beauty pageant background plays into it, but being taken seriously, th- like, mm. you know, if you walk into a VC uh, office and you're a girl trying to pitch like an awesome software idea, like right. will you really be taken as seriously as if a guy with a hoodie and like, you know, someone from Stanford walks in there and pitches that same idea? Probably not. Um, so again, the stereotype plays into it and, and that's something that, even as for Sway, that's something we're trying to change the narrative around. And I had actually one of my current investors blatantly said this to me. It's like, the first time I met you, you are trying to pitch this and all. I don't really think that I took you seriously because, mm. you know, one, you were Miss New York and I thought you were like this beauty pageant girl. And I didn't really know how much, you know, work ethic or seriousness you have in you to actually pursue this idea. And that hurt my feelings a little bit. But then I asked him, like, so what made you change your mind? And he's like, well, the more you started talking about this and the more you showed passion and like mm. how how you see the the big vision, obviously I saw that this was not a joke and you, you're actually onto something. I mean, so, do you think there's going to be a time where you don't say that you're a beauty pageant I don't winner? always say it. I mean, but again, some people do their own research prior to that and uh, – to, I st- I embrace it, you know. I never lie and say no right. or anything. I, I'm very proud of it. I feel like a, the woman I've become today is because of pageantry. Um, but unfortunately, the view that people have about 
beauty pageant is still somewhat skewed. So I'm still trying to find my way around it. Um, but even I think even when I don't mention it, just seeing like a young woman that, you know, likes to dress well mm. and and shows up like all dulled up or whatever, that's that's a red flag for some male VCs, mm. which is interesting to me. Um, it's like they expect you to just show up like looking like a dude. I don't know, <laughs> with, a, with a suit and no makeup on and, you know, flats. I don't know. It's 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 in a stereotype. Again, I think it also starts with the way women are portrayed in media, yeah. because when you're you're portrayed sexy and fashionable in media, you're definitely not the smart person. So that's, again, the narrative we're trying to change here with Sway is like a lot of women that dress up and look like they could be models are not models. They're mm-hmm. actually like business women. They're scientists. And it's funny because that's the first thing people assume about me when they meet me. I was on an Uber yesterday and uh, the guy goes, so what do you do? You model? Like that's the first question. And they follow it up with their own answer right away. It's like they just assume I model because I'm somewhat, I'm only 5'8", so I can't really model. But um, it's funny that like these stereotypes still exist. So I have to deal with them too as a woman in tech and entrepreneurship is like you have to prove yourself even more than your male counterparts. So you could just say, no, no, I'm a, a former bioengineer <laughs> media mogul, dude. I know. And they're <laughs> like, wait, the I don't see you as being that. I mean, I also interviewed someone on the podcast yesterday who's a boxer. And she launched this brand called the Too Pretty Brand because mm. she was always told that she was too pretty to be a boxer. I mean, just hearing things like that, like you're too pretty to be a scientist is just ridiculous to me. Like, what does a scientist look like to you? Like, how? what does it look like in your head? I'm really curious. Albert um, Einstein, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, well, your 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 podcast is excellent, Entrepreneurs uh, on Vogue. I encourage everybody to listen to it. It's really, really, really excellent. Uh, uh, again, both inspiration and pragmatic. Now, at this part of the show, today's Thursday, uh, what we like to ask you is, what should somebody do Monday? So somebody's listening in. They've got... Uh, an idea for a media company, or they're working in a job that they don't really like, and they they've got a side hustle that they love. It's Thursday. What should they do Monday? The following Monday? Yeah, coming up. What well, one, listen to my podcast. <laughs> it drops every Monday. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I think having a morning routine obviously is important for me on Mondays. Is and what I do every Monday, and what I encourage people to do Mondays is to. Reach out to three people you would like to, uh, I wouldn't say pick their brain. Obviously, don't say that in email, but you would like to learn from, hmm. learn specific something specific from or ask a question and set up, you know, coffee, lunch, whatever, and set that up for the upcoming week or whenever they're available. I think I do that every Monday. It's like, oh, who do I want to meet that I haven't met yet or reached out to? And that's really been helpful for me because network having a network is really important to Hmm. achieve your goals. And I think if you have an idea, if you have doubts, whatever it is that you're talking with yourself about, it's always good to reach out to people that either have proved to be a leader in that field or can probably provide you some good advice about what you're questioning. Hmm. And when you do that, I think that's great advice, by the way. And I think the uh, when you do the um, your three people, what about rejection? So you you write to these three Hmm. people and what what happens if two of them don't write you back or most of them don't sometimes and you know i actually really like rejection i think rejection from i need to have rejection otherwise i feel too comfortable um with 
my achievements. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I'm definitely killing it. But most of the time, you're not. So you need someone to be like, no, you're not good enough yet. So that's kind of a reminder. Look, I mean... I follow up, you know, maybe sometimes it gets lost in people's email and that happens to me too. And when people follow up, I actually appreciate it because I'm very messy with my email. Um, So obviously follow up once at least. And if they still don't answer, then you move on to the next person in your list, you know, maybe... So you don't take it personally. I definitely don't. I mean, again, I think this is also part of my training in beauty pageant. You you get judged, you don't get picked, you move on. Um, And then you work on better things. Like you ask for feedback. What didn't work for me? Why didn't you answer me? You know, and um, you work on that and then you come back to them the next year. Hey, um, I reached out to you last year and I was at this stage. Now I'm at this. They will actually love to see the progress. I think that's going to make them. Um, we want to respond even more because that shows that you're persistent and that you are resilient and you won't take no for an answer. That's good. Well, I'm, I don't know anyone who's going to say no to you. You're just <laughs> uh, really smart and really inspiring. And uh, thank so you. thank you so much for being on our show. And again, it's uh, Iman Obu and you, you guys really must listen to her podcast, Entrepreneurs on Vogue. And we're going to look for Sway Media doing big thank stuff. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on the show and yeah. letting me share my story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Disruptor Series podcast brought to you by TBWA Shy Day New York. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashyatny.tumblr.com 